We've got a cracker of a show coming up for you on this week's edition of Off The Fence, where we get stuck into the long walk hurdle and dissect it. Uh, will Champ go for the stairs hurdle or will he go down the Gold Cup route? To hear Barry Geraghty's thoughts on that. He obviously knows the horse very well. Tony Keenan has some interesting selections for you over the Christmas period as well. We look at the King George, the Savile's Chase, the Matheson Hurdle, all the big grade ones, and we cover a few of the novices in there too. Plenty to get stuck into. It's a show full of tips. And on top of that, we have two tracker horses for you, and it's only two because Barry Garrity and Tony Keenan both agree on the same one. So that is not to be missed, all coming up on this edition of Off The Fence. Uh, but let's get stuck straight in. Quick hello to the boys. Hello, Tony. How are you? I'm good, Vanessa. You? Very, very good, thank you. Post a lovely few days in Ascot, so I'm on a, I'm in a good mood. And Barry, how are you? You were racing at the weekend as well? I was in beautiful Turles yesterday. I didn't see much with the fog, but it was a nice day out. Nice retirement life is treating Barry well, clearly. Good day out on a Sunday. Uh, let's head straight to Ascot and focus in on the long walk hurdle. Uh, what happened where of the weekend? Well, this was the big grade one of the weekend. And of course, Champ towed himself to victory, beating Time Hill, Time Hill finishing second for a second year running. And Champ is now nine to two for the stairs hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival and a 20 to one shot for the Gold Cup. Um, first of all, Barry, let's focus in specifically on his performance. Uh, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to note how strongly he was traveling throughout the race. And I mean, it's rare in a grade one, you see a horse traveling that strongly. We're well aware the stairs hurdle division isn't the strongest of races, but there was a good level of form coming into the race from many of the other runners. Yet Champ was, it's like he was in a piece of work. It was. Um, they didn't go very quick on the blind side, led them along with Ronald Pump. So they didn't go quick, but I think that was the thing that really told was Champ's class. He was the one that traveled best. Um, you could argue that that probably played to his to him on the day because there was a chance he was going to need the run. He'd been off for quite a while. It was also a first run back over hurdles and his jumping technique was the thing I was concerned about. But at that slower pace, he had a good chance to warm up into it and find the rhythm, which he did. And Janjo gave him a lovely ride. Um, on the flip side of it for other horses, Time Hill was very keen for a long way and he didn't help his chances. And also Paisley Park would have benefited from a stronger pace. But then saying that... With that run under Champ's belt, he's proven how well he stayed before when he won the RSA. So off a strong pace now, you would have to fancy Champ to hold form with everything he met in Ascot. So it was a great performance by the horse. Um, he did everything right. And I suppose it has to be all roads leading towards the stairs now. Whether they want to come back for the Gold Cup is a, a big question of 20 to 1, but a 9 to 2 or so for the stairs. He looks like the one to beat, but there is, it's still competitive. Look, you know this horse so well from back in the riding days. You know, you had a good association with him. Just in terms of him as a... I, my my view on him is he's clearly a very high-class horse. And two miles, three miles, hurdles, fences. When he's right on the day, he's obviously right up there with a the very top-notch level of horse. But he seems like he's not the most straightforward. And I'm just sort of guessing that from bits and pieces that you pick up along the way from interviews and then obviously the profile of his actual form. Am I, am I right in sort of making that assumption at this stage? 
Yeah, no, he's a horse who has had plenty of problems over the years, but I think, and also credit to Nicky for getting him to Ascot in such good shape on the back of not an ideal prep. He was looking for runs and couldn't get a run, but he had him in great shape. Um, so top marks to Nicky for having him. Um, he has had his problems over the years, but he is a class horse, and he showed that last year when he was second in the game, Spirit Chase over two mile was a brilliant run. Um, so no, he's, he's a very classy individual, and he has all the options. But I think it's a very strong division as well. And as I said, Time Hill would be better for a better gallop. Paisley Parker and Welbert. Also Classical Dream. I was in uh, Patrick Mullins' company earlier today. And he was, uh, I believe Classical Dream would go to Leperstown. And he was talking very highly of him. Well, we'll get to a bit of a Leperstown preview later on in the show. That's quite interesting. And just last question, Barry on champ, before we leave him behind. Obviously, you all may, you know, you like me, think he should go down the stairs hurdle route now. Um, if John Joe O'Neill Jr. gets another chance on him or going forwards in terms of how he should be ridden, um, do you think John Joe will have learned from riding him at Ascot and be able to sort of maybe get a little bit more cover for longer, maybe sort of learn from that ride going forwards to give him the best chance of staying at Cheltenham and the best chance in a stayers hurdle. Oh, I'd say definitely. Um he, John gave me a ring before us and on Saturday to have a chat about him and you know he gave him a lovely ride and said, but he will have learned he had school of at home, but it's only when you go to a race course that you really know a horse. So he will have learned a lot from that. And as you say, I'd imagine he'll look for more cover. But the pace of the race didn't really lend itself to that um, and the size of the field where you'd imagine you'll have a bigger field in Cheltenham and it will be an end-to-end gallop. Right, and then Tony, just bringing you in here, we had a question from Dean O'Connell, I think, who asked last week about the stairs hurdle fancies. Um, it's a wide-open division, we've covered that. Would Champ be your idea of the winner now? You know, no buzz, sadly, because of what happened to him in the week. I know you liked him going into the weekend just being. Where's your head out now with the stairs hurdle, Tony? My head's probably a little bit afraid. I, I really think Buzz would have <laughs> dispatched with a few of these, but I, I don't really have a betting opinion since the weekend. I was impressed with Champ. I thought he looked a different class of a horse, a bigger, uh, just much more size to him than some of these horses. You can definitely see why Philip Hobbs' horse never went chasing and Ronald Pump obviously he hasn't he didn't take the chase and he lacked the scope um, just with time Hill I thought he while he was keen he didn't last very long into the, he didn't stay on the bridle as long as sometimes he, he can so I just wonder if he's in quite the same form that he was in last season the French run might have taken the edge of him um, Thomas Darby you know got there hit 2-1 to one and run and then just put his head in the air he has a tendency to do that um, wouldn't be one to thrust Paisley Park seems to be running these kind of standard races where he's coming off it and finishing out but how do you bet him to, to win a race I don't know he's just finishing every day without ever getting there Ronald Pump was, was the, probably the weird interesting one for me I thought the tactics were were, were strange he was he was his own worst enemy he was so keen in the blinkers again um, but he's never led really, not in recent times anyway. He's always a good come from behind horse, finish out his race strongly. He he sort of tanked there for, I don't know, two and a half miles and, and didn't get home. And I believe it was quite interesting that to me, the trainer they had to make the choice between Ascot or Christmas at Leopardstown. But he said the day that Leopardstown isn't totally ruled out because the fact they didn't find it out on right. Saturday, um, which he Matthew Smith, of course, would, have, would be a trainer with a record of bringing horses out quick. Um, I know maybe more flat handicappers at Galway and things like that but I just thought it was an interesting move that maybe they will go back to Leperstown, uh, mix up the tactics a bit, maybe change the headgear. I just, I'm not sure he's good enough at that level anyway but I don't think you got a true reflection um, at Ascot about, about where he's at. But yeah, Champ of course deserves his status at the top of that market at the minute um, 
and it would probably make much more sense to go for this race when he's trading it whatever four to one for his body for the gold cup probably twenty to one. Yeah, right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for Ronald Pump at Leperstown. Again, that will be covered later in the show, but it'd be interesting if he does go there with, like Tony says, different tactics. Uh, let's move on to John Bond in the Kennel Gate. Big talking horse coming into Ascot, and the big talking horse coming out of it really is now nine to four favourite for the Supreme Novices. And Barry, it's straight over to you because, of course, you're Team Constitution Hill, but you couldn't help but be impressed. I know it was a bit of a fast of a race in the end. On paper, obviously, we were highly excited about everything that lined up but then the race and the way it was run was a bit disappointing ultimately but as far as John Bond's concerned uh, I think Connections relieved and it's another step along the road to the Supreme yeah exactly um, I suppose you know people went out with their tactics knowing that a good gallop was going to suit him so they all thought to drop in and follow but that was the thing about John Bond he was settled more settled than he was in Newbury he jumped really well he didn't go overly quick where in Newbury when he did get to the front he raced and um, where on Saturday he seemed more relaxed and Aidan was able to ride a race, dictate the pace from the front. And he quickened well and quickened well in the straight and he won like a good horse. So he, he is a worthy favourite. As regards Constitution Hill, you know, you're, you're looking at John Bond on the back of three runs where you're looking at Constitution Hill on the back of one, um, apart yeah. from point to points. So albeit Constitution Hill's form is looking really good and everything he's done at home leads everyone to believe that he is potentially very good as well you don't have the same level of form. So you just have to take, you're taking one run on trust. So we'll know more about Constitution Hill when we see him next time, I suppose. Yeah, something to really look forward to there. And I suppose from my point of view, I was at Ascot on Friday, bit of a, I don't know, maybe a word of warning, I think maybe, is I was surprised by John Bon. Uh, I, I was surprised by him physically. He's actually nothing like Duvan, really, when you get up close to him uh, in a sort of physical sense, but more his behaviour post-race. Um, I know it's been well, well, maybe not well documented, but there's a few whispers about the way in which he's trained at home. I think he goes up the gallops on his own. Um, he's obviously not necessarily the most straightforward of horses. And then after the race uh, on Friday at Ascot, he was in the winner's enclosure. He was very upset. He was winning away, which is just such a sign of a green baby type uh, sort of mentality with a horse. And then he got very upset about the cameras. He wouldn't have his picture taken. He wouldn't even stand for a second to have his picture taken. He wears the earplugs. I think there are, it's not necessarily going to be completely plain sailing with John Bond just to keep all the wheels on and going in the right direction. Whereas Barry, you've obviously spoken about Constitution Hill being one of the most straightforward horses you, you've had to deal with anyway and then seems that way as, at home as well. So I guess just a little bit of a word of warning there from me just having seen that behaviour in the paddock at Ascot. But essentially, I'm picking holes. You couldn't help but have been impressed in John Bond. Uh, Tony, do you have anything to add in terms of what the Supreme Market's shaping up like 9-4 to at the top of the market for John Bond at this stage? Any interest in that for you? Uh, not really, no. Look, it does seem short. Though, look, uh, I'm not going to sit and picking at traders here. If people want to bet it, that's the price to put it in. If people are happy enough to, to, to take the 9-4. to four. But I suppose the interesting thing is the is the field size of the Supreme. Now, last year, we got quite an unusual year. I would appreciate it only had to face seven rivals, but that would be highly unusual. I, I just look back there before we come on. There has never been a field of fewer than 12 uh, since 1997, bar the last year's race. And right. the, the, the typical field size would be mid to high teens. So does he really stand up as being a nine to four shot in that bigger field? You could argue maybe there's going to be a lot of scrap taken up, you know, social runners and things like that taken up a space in the field. But it just it would seem a, li a little bit short to me um, at this point. Although are we going to see another year like last year when 
oh, this year, sorry, when all the novice races bar the Albert Bart that were these small fields, uh, I'd hope that we'd revert to seeing a bit more competitive um, field sizes next year. Bit of a word of warning on that front, absolutely. And then, of course, the idea of us all don't want to bring it into the conversation, but you know, reduce crowd crowd capacity. Who knows where we'll be at in March? And actually, it was noted to me that uh, looking at John Bond's mentality, it might be quite favourable for him if there wasn't a full crowd at Ascot. But anyway, that's something to we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, all eyes were on Ascot the weekend, Tony. But Nace over in Ireland, uh, there's a couple of horses you wanted to pick up there. You were impressed with Brandy Love. Yeah, I thought Nace was probably the pick of the Irish meetings over the last um, few days for a couple of reasons. I thought Willie Mullins launched a few of his better ones at it and also did soft ground, which which hasn't been a thing. So I thought maybe the form from Nace might stand up a little bit better than the other two meetings that were run over the weekend. Brandy Love was, was very impressive. I thought she met quite a deep field in that um, Mare's Maiden Horde. One or two of them didn't run the form, but some of that was her pouring it on the middle part of the race. Thought in the main, she hurdled very well and, and cleared away from them between the last two. Uh, concern with her suppose is that she didn't back up a very impressive debut in, in her bumper last year afterwards um, but they gave her plenty of time off they didn't give her another run after the Dublin Race Festival last year she would think that she is um, going to be a player in that Mayor's Novice race the other I suppose race that stands out in terms of a classy kind of a contest was the beginner's chase in which Gaillard de Menil got beaten I thought he had no excuses. Um, most of these Willie Mullins novices seem to be pretty straight for their first run back, at least to do themselves justice. Um, he jumped the first couple a little bit sticky, but he jumped fine from there on in. Um, I thought when he got the lead at the second last, he'd just go and finish it out, but he didn't. Um, he's He was in what's typically the right part of the track on the nice chase track, more towards the stands rail. I'd say he actually might even be flattered by his proximity to the the one to the one two um who the market wouldn't give anywhere near uh, as much a chance i was really impressed with capadano um i thought he made a, a really bad mistake two out um and just it, it was a testament i suppose to his agility that he stayed in his feet jockey gave him a bit of time to come back into it jumped the last fine um and it's then just picked up really well and again he's kind of on the wrong what is usually the wrong side of the track down the inner um as one going away, I really was very impressed with that. And also the fact that two miles three would be very much at the, the thin end of his uh, stamina spectrum. So better to come for him up and trip. But William Williams has actually been really positive with him in a stable tour as well. So yeah, I think he's going to be a big player in those um, staying novice chases. Uh, it was an excellent reappearance from him. Oh, very high praise indeed from Tony. Keep Capadano. We'll look forward to seeing Capadano back out and Brandy Love. Ten to one for the Mayor's Novice hurdle for Brandy Love. Um, let's move on. We're going to move on to the Christmas racing preview. But before we do, Barry, very quick words on Rachel Blackmore. I mean, I don't really know what more there is to add. Obviously, she takes away uh, BBC Sports World Personality of the Year. A huge accolade for her, beating a load of top names, Djokovic, Tom Brady, endless other big names in there. And uh, she didn't even make it in time because she was riding one in a handicap chase uh, in Thurless. So that probably sums her up, I think. But do you have anything more to add that hasn't been said already, Barry? Not enough a lot. She's, <laughs> she's, she's brilliant. She's been brilliant for everything. But uh, I was in Torless as I was running from the Prairie Ring to the Wareham, um, obviously catching a flight. I think she got as far as Manchester Airport, but had to do the rest online. But hopefully she made the after show party because that was the only thing she got beaten in all year, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I I think a plane might have been delayed. Can you imagine the frustration, Tony, if you're sat on the runway and you're waiting and you think you might be in with a chance of collecting an award like that and you can't do anything because of Ryanair? I mean, Jesus, I'd be tearing my hair out. But anything more to add, Tony? Well, she's probably done Ryanair a few favours over the years. Um, you think they would have sorted that out for them. I suppose they, 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 they can't really they can't control the weather. Um, Oh, look, I, I suppose in the last while in racing and in other sports, we've learned sometimes that, you know, glamorizing or, you know, uh, making sports participants out to be heroes, sometimes they've got feet to play and it's maybe not the ideal thing to do. But uh, look, she just seems so wholesome, so genuine and so tough at the same time. It's a, it's a great story. Um, I was more focused on, on the Irish sports personality of the year on Saturday evening um, and a couple of takeaways. Like, it was a deep field. Um you know, Kelly Harrington there is an amazing story. She's got great charisma. She's from an area that, you know, that <clears> lends itself to a great narrative. Like the Mead Ladies GEA team, Water team, like they were just one of the great performances of the year in Crow Park beating Dublin in upset. And yet it, it never seemed to be any doubt that Rachel Blackmore was going to win this. You know, um, I think it's also a good sign for racing. It still shows that racing has a little bit of a cashier there, you know, in Ireland. It's still still considered a massive sport, you know. There's only been two racing winners of this um, over the years. Tony McPie won it and Barry won it. Do not to forget to mention that. So that it's Barry won it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Barry yeah. won it. Yeah, it was Barry. back in black and white then, racing. Yeah, 2003. <laughs> wow. What had you won that year to win the ACA, win it, win, as in what had you done, what had you done in 2003? I, when Rachel beat me by one, I had five winners in Cheltenham and I had the Grand National Monty's Pass. Oh, that's the ticket then just to win it, isn't it? Cheltenham top jockey and a Grand National and you're nailed on for Irish Sports Personality of the Year. I get it now. I didn't think it would get me past Ray Keane and a few of those, but it managed. Well, did it, it feel a like a big deal? Did it feel like a big deal, Barry, at the time? Winning that? Oh, definitely. I was 23, I think, so no, it was huge. And it's one you, you grew up watching. Um, you know it's the Irish version of of the sports awards, and it's it's you're watching your heroes, and you see the list of names. Like for Rachel to be there and look at Djokovic and um Tom Brady and these people, like these are massive names, and to go and beat them, that was that was some result. So when you're in that kind of company, you don't expect to win, and then when your name is called, it's it's yeah. a bit of a shock. But even from the point of view, like it, it, Barry was winning that at twenty three, uh, and it was brilliant for him, great for a young fella, but. Rachel's witness is she's 32, you know, she's not a young person anymore, It's she's grafted, um, like she started off the shark cannon, like she didn't come into some mm. massive yard where there was, you know, 150 winners to go around, um, I remember looking at her and it, just when she was starting to come to be really well known, like she was riding for every trainer up and down the country, like there was no one riding for more trainers, contacts up and down and fair play to her, and just one very sad subtext to this, I just have to finish up, like <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, Myself and Rachel's betting relationship is over. It's dead. Oh. Um, she is sorry, sorry, Rachel. She's just become another bloody Frankie de Tory. Um, they're all they're all too short. Um, the public lover. She looked the prefer to bloody Djokovic and Brady and all this type of stuff. I saw a P and L there of um, Henry de Bromheads at the start of the season last year compared to the two or three previous seasons, and you just be doing your brain. So. Um, well done, Rachel. I wish I wish you'd have kept it quiet for another couple of years because it was great while it lasted. <laughs> I love that. Well, look, 
all the accolades to Rachel Blackmore. Uh, I'm lucky enough to call her a friend. She's a legend and uh, and I don't use that word lightly, actually. I think that word gets banded around, but she genuinely is in my eyes and she's a true sporting hero. And the Weekends Awards just cap off what has been an unreal year for her. And the final word is uh, just after the Grand National, actually, someone asked me to send a card from England and not put her address on it just to see if it got to her because like as our as friends we're sort of like how famous actually is she and so I just wrote Rachel Blackmore Ireland and uh, I bet 50 quid it wouldn't get to her and of course five days later bang on her doorstep she sends me a picture of it so she was that famous back in the summer so god knows where her star has risen to now but long may it continue she's a hero of our sport and she's really running with it at the moment let's move on to the Christmas period because no doubt Rachel Blackmore will be taking home some of these big grade one prizes and we're going to tackle a few of them right now obviously entry's just out but god knows who's going to run what the weather's going to do it's all up in in the air, small fields at Kempton, big fields in Leopardstown, who knows where it's all going to end up. But let's start with the King George. Uh, Clanders Obo looking to win a third King George. Manella Indo, Gold Cup horse in there with Rachel Blackmore on, 7-2 to two at the moment. Frodon and Bryony Frost, of course, bidding for a back-to-back -back win. Frodon's currently 11-2 to two shot in the King George at Kempton. Um, Barry, let's head to you first. Who's your idea of the winner of the King George? I think it's a very competitive race and a better race than it has been in recent years. Um, Clanders Obo deserves a lot of respect. They obviously have their tactics. We won't say, we'll say back was last year by, by dropping him in the way they did. That didn't work out. He was a good winner in Punchestown at the festival. He's a dual winner of it before. So I think he deserves a lot of respect. Um, I would have a fear from Manila Indo that this is going to be too sharp for him. Um, I think Cheltenham brings out the best of them and especially the new course. So, and it's, it's good ground in in Kenton. It's a sharp track, it's quick, there's a lot of pace. They probably feel they would beat Frodon if they were to meet him again, but I don't think Frodon's the one they have to beat. Um, as I said, fear, Clandazobo, um Asterian for launch, he's a kamikaze, but he was travelling best in the John Dorkin when he checked out. He's a very good horse. Um and for me, lost in translation, I loved his run in Ascot. He had a wind operation after Disappointed in this race two years ago. He burst a blood vessel in the race last year when Tizzle's horses were running desperately. Um, he was a high-class novice before that. I think 10 to 1, he's a great each to a bet um, in for what I think is an open race. But Candazobo is, I think he's a worthy favourite and I just have question marks about the others. Okay, so Candazobo positive for uh, loss in translations in each way, about 10 to 1. And it's a no from Barry with Manella Indo, uh, but it's not from you, Tony. So differing sides of the fence here. Make your case, please. Yeah, I sort of suggested him a few weeks ago when he was 5 or 6 to 1. I actually don't mind 11 to 4. I think it's fine. Um, look, Clandis Obo, if, he if he'd had a run under his belt, uh, I'd be more worried about him. It's just whether Paul Nicholas can get him fit. I'm sure he's trying very hard um, and trying to do things differently, but his whole profile always over the years has been that he comes on for a run. So I'm just going to pose him on those grounds. I'd be happy enough that Manel Indo can get the ground back on Frodon um, from Down Royal. Asterian for Lange, yes, the build is there, but he's probably going to do something stupid, which he's tendency to do. Um, Larson translation, I don't know. Um, Ascot, what he, I think he kind of won a two-horse race, didn't he? Master Tommy Tucker was hitting every fence in the last <laughs> mile and a half. You know, I, he loves I, to do that, Tony. He yeah, loves to yeah, do yeah. that. <laughs> and, and, and he's still there with them, like jumping two out, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah. lost translation, very much favourite at the weights. Um, and then the, 
the array of physical issues that are there. Um, what else have you got there? Chancellor House, I suppose, he, he is upside. I, I wouldn't rule him out. He, he'd be the one to be mo most worried about coming out of um, novice chases. But Manel, I just think Manel Lindo, he has the highest peak. The Gold Cup is is, is the standout form. Um, is he the same horse? Going to be the same horse as Kevin? I don't know. Probably not. Just quite as good. Um, but I'd be hopeful that there is a little bit of rain due to come in from Wednesday on. Um, and I just prefer to back the best horse. Um, I think all the good staying horses have been able to get away with it around Campton. Nothing kind of left field has come into it. Uh, Alaho hasn't come into it or anything like that. And look, I think if the ground isn't isn't too quick, I just think he's kind of a little bit of a class act here. I'm, I'm kind of just betting against the... My belief is that maybe he just isn't a Cheltenham horse. Um, I think his ceiling is higher than any of them. Landis Obo's probably not, not far behind him, but I'm just hoping that he's not going to be fully tuned up for this. I think you'll be pleased with the weather forecast then, Tony, because I think we've got rain from over here for about the next five or six days at a minimal, and I, I hear it's set to team it down on Christmas Day, so that may well play into Manila in those hands when it comes to uh, the track at Kempton. Let's move on. Very quick word, Barry, with the um, the Christmas hurdle at Kempton because this just looks like a very weak division over here. We're expecting Epitome to go here and um, unfortunately, obviously, sadly losing Silver Streak early in the week. That was very dis sad to hear about. That news coming out of the Williams Yard, um, he was a bit of a legend and he's put up some good battles in this Kempton Christmas hurdle. He's not no longer around, really detracts from this race and also obviously goes without saying commiserations to his connections. Um, but Barry, just in terms of this race, Epiton, I don't even know what else is in there that might be able to take her on, but obviously we're hoping that she takes a step forward from what we saw her do at Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. And that was her first turn back and you'd hope for improvement because she, she did, he's with not so sleepy. And for me, his jumping let him down in the straight that she had every chance to win the race. Um, and as I said, she might improve, she should improve for the run. But I don't think the prices um are a true reflection on the ability. He's up to a, to a mark of one sixty. She's one fifty three. So they're running off off a similar position as regards weights. Um, I just think he's overpriced. But he's a horse you'd struggle to trust as well because he could refuse. He could duck. He could do anything. Um, but if he produces a game, he's he's probably a good value to oppose her. Interesting. Okay. Not so sleepy to oppose Epiton in that, but what looks like it could be quite a weak renewal. Um, let's move on to back to Leopardstown and the Paddy's Reward chase with Energumine taking on potentially Chacun Pussoir and Envoy Allen. But Tony, I was hyping this race up as uh, what looked like a spicy little contest, but then you very quickly put me back in my place, Tony. Well, I just don't think there's much going to take Energumine on. Envoy Allen, maybe one or two one or two others. I think Chacun Pussoir will probably bypass it. And you're, you're looking at Energumine being very short and deservedly so, I would say. Okay, and Barry, I mean, we all know you're an Energumine fan. So this, if Tony's right, could just be a penalty kick for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was in Patrick Mullins' company earlier on today and he said Shaq and Persois and Ergamine, one of them will go to the desert orchid, he felt. He didn't say which one. So that could uh, throw a little fly in the ointment. Oh, that really would, because Shaq and Persois back over here would be interesting given how he's performed on English soil in the past. <laughs> or hasn't, quite, Barry, quite, mm. hasn't performed. And in Ergamine, Jesus, if he if he showed up, then that really would add a bit of spice to the contest. And Shaq and Persois on his, on his best day at home or anywhere near it, 
Envoy Allen, it's hard to make a case for him. He wasn't going to beat Alaho at two miles in Punchestown, so I don't see why he's going to beat much in Leopardstown. So if, if Shakan pushed well, they felt it was a physical issue, um, and they obviously feel he's in good shape. So if he was to go to Leopardstown and Anorgamy went to Kempton, it could be, could be very interesting. Very interesting. That really would shake things up. Right, let's move on um, to the Savills chase. A Plutard, Galvin, Mellon in there. Lots to lots to dissect there, Tony. Um, I'd love to. I'm I'm sort of really warming to a Plutard now, and I'd like him to win this again and another step forward to the Gold Cup and see if he can get a little bit closer uh, to Manella Indo potentially. But I don't think you're you're with him this time around, are you? No, look, it's very possible this is just going to be a coronation for a Plutard. Um, brilliant horse for this meeting. He's won two grade ones the last uh, couple of years and very much the one to beat. But look, my way into this race and probably the meeting uh, at the moment is going to be the going. Um, like the water on the chase track already. They've been watering for a month, I think, on the on the chase track, you know. So that's that's what we're kind of expecting. Fairly, unseasonably fast ground. Um they're they're in a they're in a bit of bother I suppose with with watering in between racing and around Christmas time and stuff like that because they've been in this situation before particularly with the Dublin Racing Festival there's there's years they've got it right and there's years they've gotten it wrong but you're getting into this time of the year the temperatures drop and there's potentially going to be frost so you do you really want to be watering when there's frost again it's kind of messing with your turf as well so I don't know I think the ground's going to be quite decent and and the horse I have in mind I think he's a bit of an each way price there's Galvin. Um, I know a bit, little bit. He's he's only he's only about six to one, but I, I just think he's going to be very hard, very hard to knock out in the frame. He's had eleven goals on ground um, yielding or faster, and he's won ten of them and was second in the other one. He's just top of the ground horse. Um, his he wins a lot. Oh, it's a good sign. His form in the National Hunt Chase, where I thought he won it really well. Like, it, well, the, the second and third next destination hasn't run, and it's Gary Ten. You didn't really get a gauge in it. Like Snow Leopard S and Remastered have showed the form in quite a decent light. And I thought Dan Ryle was all run against him. Um, Brian Frosky Froden, a brilliant front run ride, controlled it. Galvin, did first of all, he didn't get his stamina tested enough. And second of all, the ground was too slow. And then he's made a good move into it. And I think just the the efficiency or the energy used that he's had to uh, you know, expend to get into the race to, to two out is going to cost him close to the line. And Froden's a tough horse to pass anyway. Um, so I, I just think he he's by far and away the biggest danger. You've a load of Willie Mullins horses in the Ken boys and the Janet is. I just, complete, I don't even want to get into the guessing guessing game, but which one of those is, is going to be the that's that's the I always joke about the flat and Willie Mullins run six and the Irish Cesaro, which are the nice November handicap. Like just strike a line through the race. I don't want to know because it'll be the one I least fancy. It'll go and win it. Like I just don't even want to try. But I do think Galvin is one that will, will will run a race here as long as the ground is is decent and still is a little bit of upside. He's only just out of his novice season. Um, I think there's a little bit left to come with him. Okay, well, Galvin for Tony. And then if we're wanting to know what might show up from the Willie Mullins yard, then let's hand over to Barry, seeing as he seems to have the inside line, having hung out in yeah. all the right places. What do you fancy in the Savile's chase, Barry, please? I'm sure it's, it's hard to get away from the favourite at Plutard. He was so good in Haydock. Um, and for me, he improved through last season. And you could argue that, that, that Mellon and Kemboy got a run on the field in this race last year, and it made her harder work for... for Apitar to come from where he was, they probably were ball watching Alaho. So for me, he's different class. Um, 
I'd agree with, with, with Tony as regards, it's a guessing game as regards what's going to turn up, be it Delta Work, Kemboy, Mellon, which of them horses will win it. Like you have the last three winners of the race lining up, but for me, there's only one horse to be on. Um, Tony makes interesting points about Galvin. I'd love to see him run well, but um, no, it's a standard horse and that's absolutely hard. Yeah, I'm Team Appletard as well. Um, let's move on to Leprechaun Christmas Hurdle. This time we've basically got a load of sort of long distance hurdling types, all with a slightly quirky tagline. Flooring Porter in there, Classical Dream, obviously already been given a positive nudge by Barry, having hung out Christmas shopping with Patrick. Um, Sire de Burley's in there, Abracadabras, and Tony, you think plenty of these could turn up. And of course, the aforementioned Ronald Pump, if he shows up as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pass this over to Barry. This is bloody impossible. I've been looking at this for a fortnight trying to find a bet. I just need to <laughs> you know, put a line to it and look at something else. So if Barry wants to pick something out of this, knock yourself out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Sorry, Tony. I'm not giving you a free pass on this. Because you, the, the, like, we've discussed this being a wide open division and you've made good cases for plenty of these before. You were with Abracadabras a couple of weeks ago. What, what's what gone amiss well, there? I just think he's this race has been the target, but you're... Do you want to take a chance that he's going to stay the trip? The, you know, I don't know if he is. If he isn't, the ground will suit. Um, and as I say, it, it is the aim. But yeah, I, I'm happy enough to just sit this out. You do have that option, Vanessa. Okay. You know. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Sometimes I need reminding of that, Tony. Thank you, uh, Barry. Any strong, any strong interest in this? Wide open. I'm a well. I'm a big Florent Porter fan. Um, he won the stairs hurdle last year. He won this race as a five-year-old and everyone thought he got a freebie and then he went and he won the stairs. So he won the stairs as a six-year-old. He's coming back here, six, turn and seven. You know, he's going to have improved. I thought he was, you know, he was his usual lunatic self and naffing, ducking around and making life difficult. Um, and it looked like he just, he, he gave a blow across the top, got a second win down to the third last and thought he was a 747, picked up and dived into it. So... I, he's a horse I like an awful lot and he's the one I would have thought to be on in this race but while we were just heading for the, the, the cashier myself and Patrick today while out shopping he was a uh, classical dream just talking about him as regards his punches and win and then he started to make a comparison he could be a maybe a big bucks or an English driver so that's the regard he's held in oh, bloody so hell Paddy's take, obviously been on the mulled wine um, on the shopping trip um, <laughs> Okay, okay, but we'll take that then. So you're a classical dream fan, and that is well, all joking aside. Some st strong, well, you're a Florian Porter yeah. fan, sorry, but you're just getting the yeah. strong vibe about classical dream. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling so brave with Florian Porter now after hearing that. Okay, okay, interesting info. Let's move on to the Matheson hurdles. Charger taking on Zana here, but it's Echoes and Rain, Tony, that's caught your eye. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit ignorant about this. As we were saying last week, I just think the Morgiana form, you, you can't draw anything from. Charge has been an amazing horse around Leperstown and in all likelihood, he's probably just going to go and win it again. But Echoes and Rain is 8-1. Is She's probably a value loser, but I just think you found out nothing about her in Pontchestown. Um, she was too keen off a break and no pace at all. I think to get a little bit of a gallop here. Petit Mouchoir was in the field there when I last checked. I think he's due to come back in this race. He, he'd be a little bit of a help to that. Stormy Ireland, maybe, because she can't run in the mayor's race at the meeting due to it being a... She can't run in any race for, for mayors. It's not a grade one. I think, I think there's nothing there for Ortle Spring. So two of them would make it a little bit of a pace. I just I just don't think Echoes' reign is as bad as she looked in Punchestown. Um, and she was so brilliant in Fairy House last year. I think getting back into a properly run race... Um, could see it a better effect. I, I would just take the chance um, rather than just going with the obvious. Like maybe Charger will just go and win, but I'd, I'd 
chancer. Okay, yeah, we like a bit of an each-way chancer. Uh, let's move on to the novices, Barry, and I think we'd both be very excited to see Ahoy Sailor. Uh, as, oh, Ahoy Sailor? That is not his name. Ahoy Senor in the Corto Star Novices Chase. And if he does take on Brave Man's Game in that, then that is one hell of a race. I don't know if they're both going to show up. And I suppose my slight worry with Ahoy Senor would be if that track would really play to his attributes, that real sort of galloping way that he has about him. Uh, any concerns on your part with that? And would you be with him against Brave Man's Game in that sort of race? I would be with him very much so. And I've just read earlier on, Lucinda Russell said he put it, did an amazing piece of work. Um, he was brilliant in Newbury. I don't think the trip is any issue for him. Um, I'd suppose the only slight concern, he is a forward going horse and he's not afraid to take a chance. He did miss one or two at Newbury, but he jumped well in the main. But he won't have as much time to organise himself around Kempton. They'll be going harder. They'll be coming at him quicker. Um, but for me, he's just got a level of excitement. A Braven's game is brilliant and he looks class, very measured. But this horse just, to me, he lifts the roof a little bit higher. So I love Ahoy Senor. He's the one I'd want to be on. Um, but it'll be, it'll be just, it'll be, his jumper will be tested. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, be a hell of a matchup anyway if they do both show up. That would be a great race over the Christmas festival. Two top-class novice chasers. That sort of trip is my sort of dreamland. Um, and then back to Leperstown and back to the two miles, you've got Fernie Hollow taking on Riviera to tell Tony. Um, everyone sort of... Uh, I, I think most people were pretty pleased with Fernie Hollow's chasing debut, but I'd be tempted to stick with Riviera de Tell getting the weight, got the experience. What's your view on this race? Yeah, I would too. Um, Fernie Hollow is probably the much better long-term prospect, but it, it, the way the way it's set up um, for Sunday's race, Riviera Tell has a fair edge. And also, what she's good at might expose some of his weaknesses because he was a little bit slow at his early fences the last day and she's just going to take off. So she, we've, we've kind of seen that before in this race where maybe the more naturally talented horse um, has kind of been put under pressure by, by horses that maybe jump a bit better, like... Um, Lorena was one here that would have been very well fancied for this, but got her jumping, kind of taken apart early. But I think it was a bit, a bit like a notebook and horse like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think she has something that, that's going to cause him problems. I, I'd be quite happy with her um, as second favourite. I'd say she's a bit overpriced. There doesn't seem to be anything that's really in it. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully she will take her chance. Music to my ears, Tony. Love to hear that. Uh, Barry, let's move on to any other sort of in the novices division, just any other entries you've seen. Obviously, we could speak about Leperstown and Kempton and all of Christmas racing for hours, but we don't have that time. So special mentions to any other novices you're looking forward to seeing or anything else actually across the Christmas festivals. Yeah, the, the, the future champions novice hurdle, the grade one, two mile in, in Leperstown. Um, yeah. Mighty Potter, who was third in the Royal Bond, be very interesting to see him in that um three stripes life who was a non-runner that day i believe is an intended runner too but i'd be very much myself in the the mighty potter camp i think he'd improve a lot for the experience in fairy house and uh no he's, he's definitely one of interest and tony same question to you uh obviously entries out today loads of horses that we could get excited about gabby nacco by the way tony will he ever get his act together for us yeah, well, I believe the plan is, is Limerick with him, and good old Limerick, you can always rely on the ground there, soft to heavy already, despite all the all the dry weather, they, they're already testing, so I believe that's the plan with him, I read that just somewhere today. Um, I'm interested to see just the Largy debut, is that form Cork going to work out? 
Um, I was just studying the, the race in Taurus there over the weekend. And I just came across something interesting there. At the, it was just in one of the more obscure races in Taurus yesterday. But the jockey had commented that the ground around the inner at Cork that day was a good bit better. And I started looking at the replays. There are a few sort of little bit freakish results there where maybe horses up the inner did seem to get the best of it. Um, and definitely looking at the Largy debut, Kilcrit race, um, Kilcrit race much more out in the centre of the track. So just one there was something that Barry would that have been a been a thing historically at Cork that the ground would be better up the inner. I hadn't really registered that before, but just when a, the jockey had commented on it, I went and had a little bit of a look. Yeah, I wouldn't have said historically, but you could have um, you know, ground was watered and the ground on the outside might have been watered during the, the autumn or so, and where the ground on the inside wasn't and it was fresh ground, you could get a difference like that, but not historically, no. Interesting. Yeah, just, just, just to see how that plays out, that, that would have been the, the, the big race that, I suppose, for the impact at, at Christmas, that those two horses, like Evelyn was very disappointed with, with Kilcrit, understandably given the price, just to see those the form actually work out. Very interesting angle. And then Barry, um, we must move on, time is running out, but a quick line on the Welsh National, uh, secret reprieve obviously returning to the, win the race for a second time around, that's what they're aiming for. Uh, is there anything else further down uh, in the betting that caught your eye? Who do you fancy in that? Yeah, well, secret reprieve, he had a couple of runs on his belt last year, but it's his first run back this year. So, you know, he is a, a worthy favourite in what he did, but it's going to be a tall order to win this race on his first run back. But we're all tipping absolute hard for, for Leopardstown. What about Royal Pagai, who was second to him in Haydock? Loves soft ground, loves a trip. Um, I thought 16 to 1, he's been overlooked, really. Yard and belting form. Phoenice Williams, I think, has had big Saturday winners up and down the country the last four Saturdays. She's in flying form. And Charlie Deutsch, who actually, Barry, you gave such a positive shout-out um, a few weeks back for him on the podcast. Just think he's riding just so well at the moment. Yeah, no, Charlie's flying and obviously Venetia too. But um, no, I thought he's a horse. Um, there's plenty in there with chances, the big dog. But the big dog's he's two very poor runs, his last two, and he's about 7-1. to one. I thought Royal Bagai, who's form with a gold cup horse, is a different class. He'll have 11-9, which isn't ideal, but he's a proven horse. He's proven he stays. And if all this rain comes, he'll love it. Interesting. And But Tony, you're with the big dog, aren't you? No, I, I respect oh. the big dog. I, I, I was quite interested there that um, the trainer had a couple of stable tours there in the press over the last week. And he just said, like, the big dog doesn't operate in these small field races like um, the one he ran in Wexford and he, I think he's run over hurdles since then the, the big field like when he won in Punchestown Grand National Trail last year suits him so much better but the, the horse that I'm interested in it would only be a, be a small fancy but I think he's a little bit overpriced is Jessica Harrington's horse discordantly um, he's another now that would want the rain but he had a wind operation over the summer and I believe it was quite a rush to get him to the Tritown I think all things considered um, he ran quite a good race at Navin on ground that would have been a bit quicker off the back of a quick rush preparation I could see him running running well um, at a little bit of a price um, he's a lot of sort of falls and different bits and pieces last year but I don't think he's that bad of a jumper the, the odd thing there is a horse that just had a bit of misfortune horses fall in front of him one thing and another so yeah I think he's about 20-25 to 1 give him a bit of a life very good. Bit of value from both Barry and Tony there in the Welsh National, obviously live on Sky Sports Racing, Channel 415 over the Christmas period. Do not miss it. And 
Uh, if the government have their way, then we'll all be watching it from home. Anyway, it may seem. Uh, let's wrap up the show with Tracker Time, Tracker Horses. My Tracker Horse is Nigel Twist and Davis Train Guy. We saw him running the Howden Handicap Chase at Ascot at the weekend. Uh, he never jumped a fence, really. He seemed to lose half a length at every single fence. And if he could in any way get his jumping even just a bit sharper, then he's thrown in. Uh, off his well, maybe not thrown in off his handicap mark, but I think there's still a bit of value there in his handicap mark. He was sent off the 72 co favorite on Saturday, he was well fancied to go close, and just from the off, he never got really stuck into any of his jumping. Um, if they can get his jumping a bit better, I still think he's a well handicapped horse. So, Guy for me, uh, is one just to keep on side, don't lose faith in him just yet. I think a lot of people fancied him at the weekend, didn't go his way, but one day. One of these two and a half mile handicap chases will do. Uh, Tony, I think I'll give you I know, the next we'll, shout. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do this fairly. Barry, you can okay, go first. Okay. first. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We, we have the same horse here. We'll see who makes the better case for let Barry go first. Well, the fact I had the horse in though at eight o'clock this morning, so I was... Uh, I was ahead on my list. Tony was just copying me. Uh, so the short <laughs> yeah. goal. Yeah, Tony, Tony never does his homework anyway, does he, Barry? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. But he was he was he was slacking this time anyway. <laughs> but, uh, no, Henry de Bromid introduced a short goal and a maiden hurdle in Nace. Uh, finished hard. Jumping was adequate through it. He he was a little bit sloppy at times. Travelled really well. Missed the third last badly. Missed the last badly. Um, and was really finishing at the line. So he was a horse who caught my eye. He's going to improve for the run, both the experience. I'm sure fitness as well. It was his first run on the race course. Um, so he'd be harsh. I think he's got a he's got a future. He looks smart. Tony, how how many marks out of ten would you give oh, Barry's workings out? Ten out of ten. So the the answer at the end is right anyway. Look, I, I thought he was a little a, a little bit of a captain Guinness here the day he won in Avon on debut doing Avon wrong and kind of still winning type of thing. Um, he hasn't won, but I thought he looked the best horse in this race. Um, steadily run a fair. He's got trapped wide early. He's had a make a mid race move. His jumping was very erratic. There were some brilliant jumps and then some horrible ones. Um, toward last missed completely. Last he missed completely, but like he still closed on the winner at the line. Um, I think as I said before, I think this Nice meeting looks like it could be quite good form just with the ground and type of horse that were running it. Both Willie Munns' winner had had a run in France. Um, and the second Paul Nolan's horse has apparently a big reputation from points. Um, he's thought to be quite, he's quite well regarded as well. So, yeah, I, I this thing should be a formality for winning a maiden hurdle, and you'd like to think he would be even better than that. You could be a great class novice. Excellent. So the two of them going with the same horse, the short go and guy for me. Uh, but that about rounds up the proceedings, I think, for this edition of Off the Fence. Uh, you know the drill, viewers, usual thing. Give us a like, give us a retweet, hit subscribe on YouTube so you don't miss a single episode going forward. And from me and the boys, it's a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We will see you the first week in January, continuing our build up to the Cheltenham Festival and beyond. Thank you very much for watching. That was Off the Fence. <laughs>